Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me today. What I want to do with the 20, 30, 40-ish minutes we spend together today is talk about diet confusion. And when I say diet, I don't mean weight loss pursuit. When I say diet, I mean what you eat in general, right? The way that we eat. This idea of the right way to eat and the wrong way to eat has been hitting my inbox hard lately. A lot of people wanting to know my opinion on the documentary, What the Health, which is about veganism, but also going back to the American Heart Association thing with fat from a few weeks ago, which I did an episode on. Today, we're going to do a couple of things. Number one, I am going to talk about what the health. I did email my VIP list about that uh, documentary a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to talk about that vegan documentary and also share some really great and balanced science-based resources for folks who have deep questions or concerns about that. I also want to dive into one of those resources, which is the book, Primal Fat Burner. Nora Gadaugas uh, wrote one of my favorite nutrition books, which is Primal Body, Primal Mind. And she recently released a new book, Primal Fat Burner, which I think ties very nicely into this diet confusion stuff that I want to talk about today. Hopefully, we'll clear up a lot of that confusion and point you towards either more information for the questions that you have and or, what I really care about, the best starting point for you given where you are right now and what you want. Before we begin though, I want to talk about something that's been on my mind lately, something I think a lot about and get a lot of questions about indirectly, and that is what is primal potential, right? Because there are many people who want me to use this platform to address and respond to every single piece of information that comes out. That's not my desire. I have nothing against people who do that, but that's not my desire. To me, Primal Potential is not here to be an analysis and research review voice or company, call it what you will. To me, Primal Potential is about you, right? It's about helping you identify what works for you and helping you break free from that dependence on everyone else's opinion, from that sense that you have to have an opinion about everybody else's opinion. Instead, really bringing you to the place of focusing on your body, what your body responds to, and what makes you feel your best, what carries you towards your unique goals. Those are two very, very, very different things. And I feel very strongly about it. 
on the one hand, it's analyzing other people's information based on theory and generalities, right? And the other is helping you turn away from that noise and see what your truth is. I am not for or against any quote-unquote diet or way of eating. I don't bash. I don't see the point. I think it's a distraction. And I think what it does is takes people away from the focus on, well, what works best for my body? And into the focus on needing to put boxes around everybody else's opinions as right or wrong. Some people want to use their platform to defend, refute everybody else's opinion. And I think there's a place for that. I have no criticism there. It's just not what primal potential is. It's not what I want to do um, to help you guys. It's not based on, oh, it's not fun for me. It's about what I think is going to help you the most, which I think is really focusing on what works best for your body. Not using this as a platform to say, well, that is right and here's why, and that is wrong and here's why, but rather Let's figure out what's next for you and what's right for you based on you, not based on theory, right? The other thing that I get a lot of questions about is about Elizabeth Benton versus primal potential, right? I am obviously Elizabeth Benton. If this is your first episode, hey, some people use their platforms to be a social media celebrity, And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. It's fun to follow them, right? But to me, that's not what primal potential is. That's not my desire. Because again, I don't think that helps you figure out you. Helps you figure out what's next for you and what's best for you, right? Primal potential is not the Elizabeth Benton show. It's not about my weight loss, though I think my stories and my struggles can help you figure out some of yours sometimes, but not always, right? Primal Potential is not about Elizabeth Benton's weight loss, Elizabeth Benton's body, Elizabeth Benton's workouts. I don't want to use it to become the celebrity here for one reason. And that one reason is that I don't think it's what's most helpful for you, right? My journey is a point of reference. It's a point of reference, but not the point, right? I don't, I don't have any desire to be the celebrity of the brand. I have the desire to help you pay more attention to you, not to help you pay more attention to me, right? I think there's a big difference between having primal potential be a thing to do and having primal potential be a way to be. What happens when we get so absorbed in someone else's story, it's kind of like they become a reality show. There's something to do and something to focus on instead of being more about you and being a way to be and a point that helps you move forward, not a point of comparison, right? Primal potential is not a thing to do or a person to watch. It's not a reality show. It's about the way to be that works for you. So I don't want to use my platform, our platform, to argue for or against theories on food, but to really help you think about and understand foods so that you can make the best choices for you. I don't want to use primal potential to defend or refute every opinion that comes out, but to help you ask the questions that matter to you, not that matter in theory. What makes you feel your best? What makes you look your best? What helps you move towards your goals? And I don't want to use primal potential to be a social media star 
or a person to watch, but rather to help you see it as a way to be that moves you towards your goals, right? That's what I want all of the energy and attention to be on, helping you create the way that works for you. Ultimately, I think it's really fun and cool to watch other people's stories, but I don't think it affects change. And some people will say, oh, it motivates me. It motivates me. Well, motivation is free and abundant. And I disagree that it creates change, right? It's fun and it's entertaining and it can be inspiring, but it doesn't translate to individual action, It's just another one of those, you know, leader follower versus leader leader thing that I talk about before. It's it's something to do versus being about you and a way to be. If seeing people that inspire us changed us fundamentally and at the core, everybody would be where they want to be because there are tons of inspiring people with inspiring stories out there. And it's not enough. And that's why that's not what primal potential is, right? It's a way to be that's based on you, not based on me. It's a way to be that's based on you, not based on theory. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because it's very, very important to me that this be about affecting change that works for you, not about theories, not about right and wrong, and certainly not about me, right? With that said, I have gotten a ton of questions and emails about the documentary, What the Health? What the Health? promotes a vegan way of eating and living. And from a pure opinion standpoint, I don't think it's well done. I don't think the science is solid, but that's just my opinion. And and I also think that my opinion doesn't really matter. What matters is that what is what works for you. And what I want to do is share some of the thoughts that I shared with my free VIP email list. Every Sunday they get an email a few weeks ago. It was on this documentary of What the Health. But I also want to point you to some deeper resources for those of you that want to kind of understand it on a more science-based level. And I'm going to dive deeper into one of those resources with you after we go through this. So what my perspective is when I hear things about vegan being the way to be or paleo being the way to be or low-carb being good or low-carb being bad, I think that it's a misnomer. I think that it's a mistake. I think that anytime we try to box a way of eating into right or wrong, we are making a mistake. What I want to really reinforce with Primal Potential is about using food to optimize hormone balance and achieve optimal energy, optimal body composition, optimal mood, optimal health, right? And I want to focus on the perspective, the mindset side of things that helps create patterns and habits of self-care, building consistency instead of doing the work every third day or when you feel like it, building consistency. What I don't support is suggesting that there is only one way of eating for health. Now, I can tell you from my own experience that a vegan diet isn't the best thing for me. It definitely does not make me feel my best, perform my best, or look my best. But the reality is you can have a vegan diet that is very unhealthy and perpetuates disease states, and you can have a vegan diet that is very healthy and perpetuates health and healthfulness and leanness, right? 
But the same is true with paleo. The same is true with almost anything, right? If you have a vegan diet that's full of vegan treats that are highly processed, that's not ideal. But you can also have a vegan diet that's very much based on health whole foods, right? Real actual food that's not processed. Same thing with paleo. You can have a paleo diet that is very unhealthy, full of processed foods, full of starches and sugars, or you can have a paleo diet that is very healthy. There, It's what you make of it, right? It's what you make of it. And the other thing that really I struggle with when I see this attitude of this is the right way and this is the wrong way is that it completely dismisses the idea of all of us having to seek our own improvements. Remember, and I share this all the time, when I first started losing weight, when I was around 350 pounds, I just started ordering a smaller meal at Chick-fil-A, right? And if somebody said, oh my gosh, that's so unhealthy, the reality was, for me, it was a big step in the improvement of health, and my body responded to it. So it is so much what you make of it. Now, certain ways of eating, I think, are easier to make healthful and promote fat loss and others take a little bit more effort and planning and might not be as convenient when you're traveling or eating out. But the reality is I will not be a part of the culture of right and wrong. I happily accept that there is more than one way to reach your goals, and my primary ethos is do what works for you. Do what is an improvement for you, and that should and will look different for all of us. All of us, right? And I'm hoping that over time we can all come to embrace that. We don't need to know, is this right or is this wrong? Both can be partially right or partially wrong. Both can be fully right and fully wrong because there's there's no this is what veganism is, right? Veganism could look like whole real foods. Veganism could look like tons of processed foods. The same can be said of paleo. It doesn't have to be defined as right or wrong, but what is the way of eating that allows you to optimize hormone balance, achieve optimal body composition, energy, mood, health, and stay consistent. And stay consistent. That will look different for all of us. And it will look different for you today than it does three weeks, three months, or three years from now. And that is okay. At the end of the day, real food trumps processed foods. Like I said, you can have a paleo diet that is very rich in processed foods. That's probably not the best path to health. The same thing with veganism or anything in between, right? At the end of the day, it comes down to real food, not too much of it, lots of movement and close attention to what works best for you, what makes you feel your best. Most people who get flustered by the conflicting information should probably spend more time looking at their own habits and how that can be improved instead of looking outside of themselves and judging if somebody else is right or wrong. Rob Wolf is someone that I very, very much respect in the health and science space, and he did a nitty-gritty, comprehensive review of what the health... So if you really, really want to dive deep into the science, I think... Rob Wolf does a great job, and I will link to his review in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. And whether you agree with me or not, 
I'm not going to spend my time and energy refuting or confirming every piece of information that comes out. And that doesn't mean I have my head in the sand. I read and I research constantly, but I feel strongly that my time is best spent empowering people to pay more attention to their own bodies and their own results and helping them create their own improvements rather than reviewing other people's points and categorizing them as right or wrong. I love that there are people who do that kind of evaluation. It's just not what I think is most helpful in what I am trying to create with Primal Potential. I will not fall into the trap of right or wrong, but I I accept and I embrace that everybody is on a spectrum. And for a time for me, eating a smaller meal at Chick-fil-A was an improvement that created results for my body, that improved my health in a significant way. And now that continues to look different, right? I don't go to Chick-fil-A anymore. I largely eat whole foods. I try to stay away from processed foods as consistently as possible. And now it's sometimes I eat more vegetables and less protein, sometimes a little bit more protein and a little bit less fat, sometimes a little bit more fat and a little bit less protein. But it comes down to paying attention to my own body more than anything else. And that is what I want to use this platform to help you do. And I want to make this very practical for you. There are certainly a lot of practical episodes of the Primal Potential podcast, but on today's podcast, I want to get practical by talking about some of the advice in the book Primal Fat Burner. Again, I think that Nora in her research is truly devoted to data and science, and I have so much respect for that. Um, So I will link to this book for those of you that really want to understand, well, were we intended to eat meat or were we intended to eat plants and how did we evolve and how did that change our brains and our bones? She does a fantastic job going into that history and science. I don't love that stuff so much, um, but if you really feel like you need in order to make changes in your own life to understand some of this stuff, highly recommend Primal Fat Burner. What I'm going to do for the remainder of our time together today is talk about some of the highlights that make this more practical. Okay, we understand that I'm saying I think you can do vegan in a healthful way. I think you can do vegan in an unhealthful way. But I feel the same way about paleo. And I feel the same way about low carb. It can be done well and it can be done poorly. All right. If you are somebody that really wants more of the science, Rob Wolf's link, which will be in the show notes, is a fantastic place to start, as well as Primal Fat Burner. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. I want to begin, though by giving the big picture of practicality here. Fill your plate with vegetables, right? Number one, they're full of fiber and vitamins and minerals that are super, super important for health. And number two, they are carbohydrates. So whenever we talk about sugar and starch and the damage that sugar and starch can do to our hormones, to our mood, to our ability to control our appetite, to our ability to burn fat, and people start screaming about how we need carbs, vegetables are carbohydrates. And I am saying, fill your plate with vegetables. Number two, eat a moderate amount of protein from quality sources, right? And eat fat from quality sources. 
in general, my philosophy is not like anything that's fat is good and anything that's protein is good and anything that's carbs is bad. No, I do not feel that way. And that's one of the things I love about the book Primal Fat Burner, that there's a real distinction. It's not a go to town on butter and cheese kind of book. And it's also not a carbs are the devil kind of book. She's very, very data driven. Um And she talks about how when we look at our Paleolithic ancestors before the agricultural revolution, the hunter-gatherer way of eating, those people got about 90% of their total caloric intake from meat and fat. And that meat and fat came from a, a fairly small variety of animals. About 100 to 200 different animals delivered about 90% of the energy that they got from meat and fat, right? Fast forward to today, get this guys, 90, 90%, 90% of the world's food supply comes from 17 plants. 90% of the world's food supply comes from 17 plants. That's not ideal. That is just what we have evolved to. Wheat, corn, rice, barley, soybeans, cane sugar, potatoes, oats, etc., right? And these plants that are delivering 90% of the food supply, they're grown with chemicals and pesticides, and then they're further processed and refined, and all of this is done to maximize output. One of the things that the book goes into, which I think is very, very helpful for anybody who is in the confusion of carbs versus fat, how much protein, Lots of great information there, especially around, well, which is the body's preferred fuel source, right? Does your body prefer sugar, glucose as a fuel, or fat? Glucose is your body's primary and preferred fuel when your diet is full of starch and sugar because ultimately we condition our body We instruct our body on what type of fuel to prefer based on what we give it. This is based entirely on the way you eat. And the great part of that is you can change it. You can change it. If you have or have had in the past a diet rich in starch and sugar, then your body adapts to prefer that and preferentially use those sources over fat. But if you minimize starch and sugar... You can train your body to have fat be the preferential fuel source, which I think is awesome. She also devotes a couple chapters to explaining, as I have in several episodes of the podcast that I will link to in the show notes in case you need a refresher or you haven't checked them out yet. She devotes a couple of chapters to explaining how and why fat doesn't make you fat, right? We really need to understand this to inform our choices, to help us in those moments of, well, what should I eat and what is best for my body? And to understand why we feel certain ways, whether it's hungry, tired, moody, with certain food choices, right? This is one of the things that she says, restricting fat is likely to increase, to increase your body's fat storage and fat conversion from other sources, right? When you restrict or eliminate dietary fat, your body is going to become more efficient at manufacturing fat from other things. 
like protein and carbohydrate. When you restrict or eliminate dietary fat, your body is going to be better at manufacturing fat and less likely to store or less likely to burn fat, to release stored fat. Now, this is not an argument for unlimited bacon and butter. That is not the deal at all. It is about quality. Quality really, really, really matters. But this notion that, oh, well, if we just cut out carbs, then our body is magically going to burn fat is an incomplete understanding. Think about all the people you know, or maybe this has happened to you yourself. You go on a low-carb diet. And that means you feel free to eat things that are protein and fat, right? Which ends up being a high-protein, high-fat, low-carb diet. And initially, maybe you lose a bunch of water weight very quickly, but then you sort of stall out. That happens to so many people, and they feel like, oh, well, I just need to eat less and eat less and eat fewer carbs and eat less and less and less and less and less. But realistically, the problem here is with the fact that you conditioned your body to prefer sugar as fuel. And so when you have a high protein diet, your body is going to preferentially break down that protein to manufacture glucose because you've trained it to prefer that as fuel. So when we go on a sudden low carb diet and we eat high protein, high fat, we do lose a lot of water weight. But Our bodies are trained to use sugar and they will turn to that excess protein to generate glucose. No bueno. That is not the shift we want. This is why it's so important to not overconsume protein. I made this mistake for many, many, many years to prove that she is not talking about, yeah, just go to town with string cheese and heavy cream and mix artificial sweeteners with cream cheese to make it possible to follow this high fat diet. That's not it at all. Like I said a couple minutes ago, quality matters. She says fat in its naturally occurring form and eaten without carbs does miraculous things for our bodies and our brains. So I want to say that part again because this is where people screw it up. Fat in its naturally occurring form, number one, naturally occurring form, and number two, eaten without carbs, does miraculous things for our bodies and our brains. But man-made fats, including refined, hydrogenated vegetable and seed oils, plus the carbohydrates we consume in vast and unnatural excess with dietary fat, is a different story. These are the villains that cause life-threatening diseases and illness, right? So one thing to consider is fat in its naturally occurring form, eaten without starch and sugar, is going to do great things for your body, right? But when we use these man-made fats and when we consume them with starch and sugar, we really hold ourselves back. And the third part of this is when we overconsume protein because your body will use stored fat for energy, when blood sugar and insulin are low. But the low carb part, low starch, low sugar, 
is only one part of it. You cannot overconsume protein because when you overconsume protein and you're somebody who is overweight or who has had a high starch, high sugar diet in the past, your body is going to prefer to break down that protein to generate glucose. You don't want to give it the excess to be able to do that. So what is the bottom line here? What does this mean in practical terms? Number one, decrease starch and sugar. Decrease starch and sugar. Start with your processed foods and then start with whole foods as well. Decrease starch and sugar in all forms. I want to really emphasize here that this does not mean you're cutting out carbs. This does not mean it's a low-carb or no-carb diet. Vegetables are carbohydrates and should be eaten liberally right? Your high fiber veggies like cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, um, cabbage, etc., as well as leafy greens should always make up the majority of your plate. So get out of your head that you're not eating carbs. What you're not doing is driving up blood sugar and insulin because these high fiber veggies, these leafy greens are primarily water and fiber. And so they are carbohydrates, but they are not driving up blood sugar and insulin because remember, your body is only going to preferentially choose fat when blood sugar and insulin are low and protein is not overconsumed. Okay? So, decrease starch and sugar, increase vegetables and stop freaking out that you're not eating carbs because you are. Then, moderate protein. Don't overeat it. Don't think, oh, well, just because it's chicken or fish, it's healthy. Do not overconsume protein. If you're not getting results and you feel like you've got everything else dialed in, cut back your protein a little bit. I'll tell you, I uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't even going to mention this, but I think it's really important. There is a service provider, and I'm not going to use any names, but there is a service provider that has a program that's very, very expensive that I thought I would give a try to see how they make nutritional recommendations based on your goals. So that's what they do. You tell them your goals, you give them a bunch of information about your body, where you want to go, and they recommend what you should eat. They recommended that I eat over 200 grams of protein per day. That is not only more than my body weight in pounds. It's way more than my body weight in kilos. It is an absurd amount of protein. And it's one of the reasons that people don't see results. Now, if you're an elite athlete and you're training for hours and hours and hours a day, that's a different story. But for most of us, especially those of us who have been overweight, especially those of us who have any degree of insulin resistance, who have goals of fat loss, you cannot overconsume protein. Just because it's a whole food source of protein does not mean you have carte blanche. If you want your body to preferentially turn to your stored fat as fuel, yes, you need to control blood sugar and insulin, but part of controlling blood sugar and insulin is not overconsuming protein. Increase your consumption of fats in their naturally occurring forms. One of the big ways people draw themselves off course here 
is because they think, oh, well, I'll just go heavy on the cheese and the full fat dairy products. And realistically, that's not fat in its naturally occurring form. Now, I think those things can be fine in moderation, but A, not in unlimited quantities. And B, the goal isn't to dramatically change what a food naturally was to make it hyper palatable. That's why I worry when I see all these recipes for these fat bombs where people can, uh, where people combine like stevia and cream cheese and calorie free, you know, cocoa powders to make these desserts that, yeah, you, you want to eat 47 of them. It's not fat in its naturally occurring form. So dial back anything that is manipulated dramatically from its naturally occurring form and focus on fats from whole food sources. And this is where I think the vegetarians and the vegans can really get on board. A, increase your vegetables, right? Decrease starch and sugar. Fats in their naturally occurring forms are things like avocado, coconut, macadamia nuts, olives, Hello, all plant-based, right? So there's so much overlap and we really screw ourselves when we see one is right and one is wrong because it's really about somewhere in the middle where everybody's needs can be met. And we're all a little bit different in terms of the spectrum. But increase fats in their naturally occurring forms and decrease fats in their non-naturally occurring forms, highly processed um, and manipulated with all sorts of things added to them to make them hyper palatable. And then at the far end of the spectrum, and please understand that I'm not suggesting you make all these changes at once, but as you can, as you move further down that spectrum, start to really focus on improving the quality of the foods you're choosing, grass-fed, hormone-free, organic, etc. And this includes things like not overheating oils. If you're using a macadamia nut oil um, or an avocado oil or even a coconut oil, being careful not to cook them at really, really high heat because that does oxidize and damage those fats. So you don't need to do all of these things at the same time, but decrease starch and sugar, right? Increase your high fiber veggies, your leafy green veggies, Watch the protein. Do not overconsume protein and really emphasize fats in their naturally occurring forms. If you have questions about dietary fat, about if plant-based is best, I first want to say in terms of is plant-based best, listen to your body. Look at the way you eat. Ask yourself what's an improvement for you and what's sustainable for you, what drives results for you, and what makes you feel your very best. And if you feel like you need more data, I have no problem with that as long as data doesn't distract you from action and data doesn't take the place of relying on your own body for the most valuable information, check out the link to Rob Wolf's review, which will be in the show notes, and check out the book Primal Fat Burner, which I'll also link to in the show notes. Just never lose sight of the fact that your body is always giving you valuable information. Have a great day, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive 
free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.